instead of blaming the startup founders, it's actually their own problem to, well, I, I wouldn't like to say problem even though I think so, it's actually their inability to identify and work with the startup founders. Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever, stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk, but to win big, you've got to reduce it. My name is Andrew Stotts from A. Stotts Investment Research, and I'm here with featured guest Danny Go. Danny, are you ready to rock? Absolutely. All right. So Danny is the founder and CEO of Nexus Frontier Tech, an AI research firm that easily integrates AI into organizations' processes by using natural language processing to transform idle information into structured data, enabling them to run better, leaner, and faster. That sounds pretty cool, Danny, right there. <laughs> but besides just that, he's also general partner of the G&H Ventures Fund, which invests in early stage startups primarily in Southeast Asia. G&H Ventures has invested in more than 20 portfolios in deep tech and is building its third fund to help startups into the growth stage. Keep that in mind, listeners. If you are going into the growth stage, you may want to get to know Danny. Danny currently serves as entrepreneurship expert at the Side Business School, University of Oxford, and is also an appointed fellow at the Center for Policy and Competitiveness at the Echo de Pons uh, Business School in France. He is an advisor and a judge to several technology startups and accelerators, including Microsoft Accelerator, Startup Bootcamp, IoT, and LBS Launchpad. Danny serves as a visiting professor or visiting lecturer at various universities in Europe, and he's a speaker at various conferences, including TEDx and FinTech events. Danny, take a minute and fill in any further tidbits about your life. Oh, well, you pretty much cover what do I do now. Just something more interesting is um, I was born in Malaysia, which is just right next to you. Even though I was born in Malaysia, I do not actually know Malaysia that much because since the age of 11, I've been traveling around the world, relocating to five different continents from Australia to the America to Middle East and the last 10 years in Europe, primarily in the UK. Yeah, that just allows me to, to see the differences from different countries, from different regions. And I'm always amazed that, uh, you know, I still read five different newspapers every day from different regions and one thing that amazed me every time is the same story would come up with a totally different perspective from five different countries and that is just the fun of the day every day that's actually quite a valuable thing when you move out of your own country and you become aware of the rest of the world out there you realize that everything i mean the way i realized it was when i went to Thailand many years ago, I saw, uh, or sorry, China, I went and I saw a map and it, China was at the center of the map. I thought, wait a minute, I thought US is at the center of the map. <laughs> and that was the beginning of, you know, me realizing that, you know, wherever we are, that's where we're interpreting things from. And so that's, that's, a, that's a great point. And something, I think once you truly understand that, then you can look at your own country, your own culture, and you can also look at conflicts that are going on around the world and kind of realize that, you know, in some ways, they're just being stoked by politicians, by some people saying, you know, getting excited and putting this spin on this story and another getting this spin on the story, all for their <laughs> own means. But the average Joe around the world does not want 
a conflict. They just want to get to work and do a good job and enjoy their life. So anyway. Absolutely. And that's why I like to interpret that way that I am just don't believe in politicians because politicians are trying to make things more complicated. Whereas my job is to make things simplified as an engineer, as a scientist, as an educator. Fantastic. Making things more simplified. That's great stuff. Well, now it's time to share your worst investment ever. And since no one goes into their worst investment thinking it will be, tell us a bit about the circumstances leading up to it and then tell us your story. To be honest, I'm an early stage investor. So I, I focus in very early stage startups, which includes the ideation stage. And my first investment started from around 10 years ago when I successfully exited one of my education startups at Tech in, in Israel. I was so confident that as a founder, as a successful founder, I could easily just invest in startups in Europe and help them to grow out of it. After about five or six years of trying to build the ventures to help the founders in Europe, uh, it was a complete disaster. Simply, I have my own perspective, which may not fit to everyone's theory, but my perspective is simply, as an early stage investor, we are not investing in any of the products or the growth. We are actually investing in people, the founders itself, where they have literally have nothing. And that's the reason why they came to me to ask for just, you know, $50,000, $100,000 to start doing things. So the techniques in looking into the founders, hearing the, what the founders said about their vision, all this nice, beautiful vision, it literally is just more than the vision itself that I realized that to be successful, a founders requires at least three things for the investors to actually buy it. And number one is definitely the vision itself. It's got to be got to have a big vision. Number two is basically execution skills. And these two is what I believe the founders in Europe does have. And it's the number third things that I, I miss out. It's the flexibility, the ability to keep on going and the ability to pivot if things goes wrong. The founders in Europe, probably this applies to the developed countries as well where it's just too easy to have a, a better job every day. And it's very easy for them to give up on this tough. Startup life is definitely not as glamorous as what, what you read on the newspaper. It's difficult, it is pressuring, it is just huge loads of pressure. So a lot of the startups the, in the early stage, well, from, from statistics, you can read from many different statistics, more than 75% of startups fail in the early stage before moving out of the first year. And the typical lifespan for European early stage startups, it's about six months. That's the runway that they have and the money that you, they usually raise to, to be able to sustain themselves. And once they run off their money to survive, they just give up or go and either they go and uh, their ability to find another investment or they give up to go and get a job, which is pretty easy for them to survive. Now, this changed after I went back to my mother country in Malaysia, in Southeast Asia, where I realized that the difference between the startups founders in Southeast Asia, or let's call it developing countries and the developed countries, they are all the same. Big vision, good execution skills, there's no difference at all. There's only one thing is because the 
price to pay for a startup to survive is way lower and the success, the, the price of the success is far greater than for them to continue to work on a daily job. This has resulted in many startup founders that you know in, in the regions. You can see they are all serial entrepreneurs. More than five out of six of their startups fail, but they keep on going. And that's the way how they keep on getting the investment from different early stage investors because you know, there are just too many factors to decide whether a startup can be successful or not. At least half of the percentage are not actually crediting to the founders for it. So people will still believe in them. People uh, like to work with them. People like to discuss with them about the problem. Uh, and when I say people, I mean investors. So this is, this is the, the reality that I found comparing between the European or the developed countries startup founders and the developing countries founders. Of course, there's still um, a big difference in terms of how can they, you know, the ability for them to get a bigger investment, the ability for them to get a bigger traction, and the ability for them to grow into a truly unicorn size when you compare the number of unicorns in the developing countries versus the developed countries. So there's still the opportunity cost over there for investors like myself. But since I like to position myself as an early stage investor, simply because I love working with founders, I love working with people as an educator. And my skills and my interests are rather in the early stage. I'm not too good in marketing. I'm not good in making up the structures of the company with all these legal um, lawyers, accountants. So I, that's just individual preference to focus on which level of investment stage that they like to be in. And for me, myself, I just, this is the positioning that I have identified since the early stage. I love working with them. I paid a big price, but I received a very good uh, result in the last couple of years as well. And that's the, the way how we are able to continue to receive interest from different founders as well as from our LPs to build our next second, our third, and even our fourth and following funds as well. And that is just helping me to grow myself into a slightly later stage with the experience I gained from working with these startup founders. This is actually the main, apart from the lessons learned, my, my worst experience ever, I realized in the last couple of years that as an investor, as you can see, because in the startups, you know, sales is actually in the third equation. The most important two <laughs> equations are actually the startup founders and the investors to make things. And all this while we have been saying that, wow, the, the principal idea of an investor should be very knowledgeable, should be very experienced, should be very rich. And whatever they say, we should listen. Whereas the founders should listen to everything whatever the investor said, that's all laid out in the term sheets. I realized that, and this is actually my biggest lesson learned rather than you know, investing, investing in different startups. My biggest lesson learned is actually the investors themselves or myself has got a bigger role to play in terms of understanding the startups, equipping ourselves with better knowledge so that we are not really putting ourselves into the wrong shoes of the startup founders and making the wrong decisions in advising them. And 
this has happened a lot of times in my experience with working with my portfolios when they're trying to raise for the next rounds from different investors. Typically, we will hear that, oh, this investor says that I don't think we like you to do this because I don't have experience in that. And this has come into, this has, this has created an ecosystem, a startup investment ecosystem in a very diverse area. And I blame this simply the uneducated or inexperience of the investors to actually know what they need to do, to actually know what they are supposed to be telling and working with the startup founders. As a result of that, most of the smaller investment firms or individual investors fail simply because instead of blaming the startup founders, it's actually their own problem to, well, I, I wouldn't like to say problem even though I think so, it's actually their inability to identify and work with the startup founders. And this, I'm hearing more and more every day, especially in the last 12 to 24 months, where you can see that the investors from China or versus investors from Korea or investors from Japan or investors from the Americas, they all have very different perspectives. And, as a, and if you put yourself in the startup founder's shoes, we're trying to pull together a group of investment, which 99.9% .9 of the time, it's not just coming from one investor. It's never the case. Instead of spending the time to build the company, you often hear that the startup founders have to spend way too far time to work with the investors. But as a result, it's a loose-loose situation. It's just as simple as that. So I don't have a very concrete answer to, to this issue, but I do believe in the bell curve situation. Whatever thing it is, as more as uh, my life, the decisions that I make every day, in or to you know the the ecosystem of the startup industries. And maybe in the, I, uh, I'm going to think about some of the things that that I take away from what you've talked about. What's mm -hmm. interesting is you talk about the idea of flexibility and pivot, and you're talking about it in terms of the startups that you experienced in Europe. But what's also interesting about your story is you yourself were faced with the need to have flexibility and pivot and realized that what worked in my first startup wasn't working for whatever reasons. And then you pivoted to Southeast Asia. So I think the pivoting and flexibility is, I think, a key lesson that I take away. The other thing that I take away, I like, I like what you said, and I, I think about the idea of, I wrote down on my paper here, no blaming. As an investor in a startup, my coffee business that I have in Thailand with my okay. best friend, Dale Lee, you know, I think it's really important. We had a, something we always said, which is place principles before personalities. So when it really came to tough times and tough decisions, we really wanted to go back to the principle of we're trying to build a good business here that's a long-term success. And personalities were frustrated about this and that, but let's try to put aside the personalities and stay focused on the principle. And that helped me to stop, not to blame, you know, to recommend, to encourage, to support, but not to blame because... I wasn't in the business at the time making the decision that he was making and I didn't understand all the different things that were under, he was under pressure. And the third thing that I take away from what you've said is that 
if you put a dollar bill on a desk and you put a bunch of dollar bills next to each other, they all look the same. But in fact, they're not. As you've explained, the motivations, the objectives of the different types of investors, whether they are, you know, what, depending on what country they're from or any, you know, depending on what type of investors they are, that money has different demands. And understanding that is a critical thing. And I think getting, getting the money that fits your needs. What would you say about those takeaways that I got from your story? Absolutely. You got me right, right at the main points. It's simply, it's just, of course, you know, you've run through a lot of different podcasts with different experiences. Um, I do believe that majority of the investors, at least from all these co-fellow investors that I know in the regions, are sharing the same knowledge with me at the moment that these are the main points that we should be having uh, more acknowledgements from better investors to focus in so that we can work with the with the startup founders in a better way to build this ecosystem in a, in a more healthier way, in a more sustainable way. I'm going to ask you the, the question, the, the wrap-up question about actionable advice. And I want you to think about it from the perspective of, you know, what the story that you've told about your life was, um, I wrote down the words Midas touch, as in the first thing you did turned to gold. It went well. And you had a lot of confidence and then you jumped into, you know, your next thing in Europe and, and things didn't go that well. And what I want you to explain and, uh, is what one action would you recommend our listeners who are coming off? Let's just say there's a man or a woman out there that's just come off their first real good success. And now they're going to go on to their new idea. What one piece of advice would you give them to help them avoid suffering the same fate? Um, uh, it's definitely to avoid overconfidence um, at that stage. Simply, no one is going to go through the same experience as you or I did before. And the path of the journey is simply comprising of too many different factors that resulting in the success. So it was the overconfidence that resulted in a lot of overconfidence actions and also with the dealings with different people as well. Okay. I mean, I think the concept of overconfidence is something that hits us not only in startup investing, but in investing in the market, just in, you know, in just investing in any li listed company. So it's a critical lesson. All right. Last question. What's your number one goal for the next 12 months? Um, my number one goal is definitely to look for, we're trying to build the, we're closing our third fund and we're trying to build more portfolios in our companies. It was, like, it was just like a call out that if there's any deep tech companies in the region or even in greater Asia, that's what we are looking to, to hear from you. To think about that for our listeners, because I know there's friends of mine in Asia that are in you know, startups and running startups. Uh, is there any particular sector or any particular type of startup that you're interested in or that you really you do well with? We focus in deep tech and especially in artificial intelligence. It doesn't mean that you know, it's got to be researching in artificial intelligence. It's any startups in any industries that utilizes the technology to do better than their fellow startups who doesn't use the technology or who can do better than others. And that's the competitive advantage that we are looking to, to try Fantastic. to help. Fantastic. Yeah. Okay, well then I'm going to leave uh, some information in the show notes. If you want to get in touch with Danny, do it. Well, there you have it, listeners. 
Another story of loss to keep you winning. To find more stories like this, previous episodes, and resources to help you reduce your risk, visit myworstinvestmentever.com. As we wrap up, Danny, thank you again for coming on the show. I know it's painful talking about our losers, but our listeners are learning to win as a result. Do you have any parting words for the audience? Uh, no, just uh, enjoy, the, enjoy the next 12 months. Yeah. Enjoy every day. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Fantastic. Well, that's a wrap on another great story to help us create, grow, and most importantly, protect our wealth fellow risk takers. I'll see you on the upside.